0: Welcome to the Como Politicast, I'm Jeff Podula. Joe Biden is the president-elect and he will take office on January 20th, 2021. But for the die-hard Trump supporters, the race isn't over. Many of them following Mr. Trump's lead making baseless accusations of voter fraud. To be clear, there has been absolutely no evidence of widespread voter fraud in this state or any other state. Nevertheless, a state senator and longtime Trump ally is pushing a bill here in Washington That would significantly roll back the voting system. But first... A Pennsylvania postal worker has recanted claims that supervisors attempted to backdate ballots mailed after the election. This according to congressional aides. Now, the false allegations were cited by the Trump campaign and top Republicans as examples of voter fraud affecting the results of the presidential election. Joining us now is ABC's Mark Remillard, and we understand that this guy has now recanted his recantment. What's going on here?
1: Yeah, that's right. So uh, this involves uh, a guy named Richard Hopkins out of Erie, Pennsylvania. He's a postal worker. And uh, he had alleged and signed in an affidavit that he had overheard supervisors discussing a plan to backdate mail-in ballots uh, to Election Day. So mail-in ballots in Pennsylvania, or at least in the Erie area where they were coming in uh, maybe on November 4th or the 5th, that they were allegedly, these supervisors were discussing a plan to backdate those to November 3rd. Uh, now he had signed that in an affidavit. The Trump campaign has actually included that as part of a lawsuit in which they're alleging that, uh, there was voter fraud. Uh, but as soon as this postal worker was questioned by federal investigators on it, because the complaint went to the postal services inspector general's office, they began investigating it. And when they talked to, uh, Mr. Hopkins, uh, according to, uh, the postal inspector general's office, uh, notified congressional uh, members that he had recanted his story that he no longer, uh, uh, wanted to say what he had earlier alleged. So that's where things stand right now. Uh, the investigation into this continues, but then adding another wrinkle into this is that project Veritas, which is a right wing provocateur, uh, media organization, uh, has an interview with Mr. Hopkins in which he seems to suggest that uh, he was pressured by the federal investigators to recant his story. Uh, now, again, that's Project Veritas. And, uh, you know, I, I think that anything that they uh, put out should be taken with, a, you know, uh, some healthy skeptic skepticism uh, given their history. But at the same time, this is what they're alleging, Uh, Again, it's part of a Trump campaign lawsuit at this point, but interestingly enough, the Trump campaign has had to kind of walk two lines with this. They included it in this lawsuit, and on the one hand, say that Mr. Hopkins' claims were very detailed and named names and and were were important. And then on the other hand, uh, lawyers had also said, well, it was only one of a number of claims that we're making, so they seem to kind of dismiss it at the same time, or or at least suggest that it, you know, doesn't substantially alter their allegations.
0: Well, I'm no lawyer, but this sounds like if, in any case, for whichever side asks Mr. Hopkins to testify, he could easily be picked apart as an unreliable witness, and even if his statements were to be taken at face value, wouldn't someone argue that it's just hearsay? I mean, has he presented any actual evidence other than he overheard someone saying something?
1: Right. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there in terms of uh, certainly there's a, obviously questions now about his credibility and about uh, his story and, and how credible that is. Uh, but then also, you know, this is a conversation that he says he overheard. This does not include allegations that this actually occurred, that he witnessed or saw people taking part in or he that he took part in any backdating of ballots, that this is simply him saying that he overheard people talking about this. So, you know, I think that's important to keep in mind here is, is if the Trump campaign is going to go forward with this and these, potentially these allegations, and I think they've seized on this, there's still a big hurdle to get to anything really substantial, substantial here in terms of saying, well, this actually resulted in the changing of votes. Uh, And I think that's one aspect of it. And then two uh, uh, to remember here, the Trump campaign and, and as I said, Project Veritas, some of the, some of this right wing media has seized on this as evidence of voter fraud. Um, but remember, this was at the post office. At this point, ballots coming through the post office would have been sealed in two envelopes in Pennsylvania. So if they were backdating ballots, they would have no idea if that was a Trump ballot or a Biden ballot. There's no evidence to suggest that they had any ability to, to choose which candidate they were helping if they were going to essentially commit felonies on behalf of doing this. So, um, you know, there's nothing to suggest that this happened, nor that they would have any idea who they would be benefiting by doing this.
0: And it seems like the, the Trump campaign is grasping at straws here, but even if, if everything in that case went their way, would there even be enough ballots to flip the result in Pennsylvania?
1: Yeah, so that's another great question of this is, uh, you know, well, first off, so let's, you know, if we go down the road here to say that there's uh, this this uh, uh, postal workers' allegations can be backed up and that there may have been, uh, you know, backdating of ballots, you know, I think it would obviously be up to a court then to decide what the remedy for that is. And, uh, you know, and obviously I'm not a lawyer, so I wouldn't be able to say what those might be, but, you know, perhaps, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that the entirety of the results in Pennsylvania get thrown out, perhaps just Erie County need to be recounted again. You know, so there's a lot of different ways this could go. Uh, the Trump campaign has used this as part of their lawsuit to argue that the Pennsylvania results should not be certified. Uh, but again, they say that's part of a larger package of allegations, though many of them still seem to be very uh, lacking in evidence at this point, or at least publicly they haven't put forth uh, a, a lot of evidence in this. So uh, And then, you know, in the in the broader sense of Pennsylvania, though, too, this issue of late arriving ballots has been a big focus in Pennsylvania ballots that were postmarked by November 3rd, but arrived within three days after the election. As of right now, those are still allowed to be legal ballots. Those can be counted, though the vote totals that we're seeing now that have Biden up 50,000 votes don't include those. So perhaps once those are counted, Biden's lead grows or perhaps his lead shrinks. But Right now, uh, there's a lot of litigation over this. This could potentially end up in the Supreme Court. Those ballots could be invalidated. It's obviously depending on how the Supreme Court comes down. But uh, we're told, or at least our understanding is, is that there's not a significant number of these ballots. So it's not exactly clear how many and whether or not that could potentially swing the entire state of Pennsylvania. But it seems unlikely at this point. And also, those ballots are technically legal at this point.
0: Well, he doesn't. And and Biden doesn't even need Pennsylvania and its 20 electoral votes to win with all the other states he's claimed.
1: That's true. Um, Obviously, with the projection of Nevada, um, he still holds a lead in Arizona. With those two states alone, he would hit 270 electoral votes. He's leading in Georgia. Now they're going to do a hand recount, according to the secretary of state there. But uh, typically recounts, uh, uh, you know, rarely seem to alter tens of thousands of votes, which he's up by, I think, 14,000 votes in that state. So if that holds, Biden, with Nevada and Georgia, would also still win the election. So he has other options in case something major does happen in Pennsylvania. But it just goes to show how crucial Pennsylvania is for President Trump. Without Pennsylvania, uh, President Trump cannot win the election. And as of right now, he has not won the election because the projection is that biden has won pennsylvania so there's obviously still ballots to be counted including some of those you know late arriving ballots but even if those are invalidated it doesn't appear that it's likely to change the outcome in that state
0: all right abc's mark remillard thank you so much thank you and now to washington state Without evidence, Republican State Senator Doug Erickson is claiming widespread voter fraud due to the state's vote-by-mail system. This is what he had to say. Unfortunately, there are people, there are organizations that are actively going out there, harvesting ballots, changing documents, flooding systems, registering people who may or may not exist. Of course, if true, that is a major accusation. But is it true? Joining me now is Secretary of State Kim Wyman. And uh, Kim, first off, what is your reaction to that statement From uh, State Senator Doug Erickson.
2: Well, you know, I I would certainly welcome a conversation with Senator Erickson if he wants to talk about specific examples of that. uh, So we can investigate. Those are pretty serious allegations because some of the things he's referencing would, in fact, not only be voter fraud but would be Class C felonies here in Washington State. So if he is uh, has evidence of these activities and has actual examples he can point to, we would be very interested in uh, talking with him and being able to follow up on. Those issues.
0: And interestingly, just as we're talking here, I got an email from his uh, press secretary saying, quote, I think there's a key point of misunderstanding here. Senator Erickson isn't making a specific allegation of election fraud. What does that tell you?
2: <laughs> I, I'm not sure what, what that tells me. Um, you know, again, I, I have to deal with evidence. I have to deal with, with actual actions that people take. And it's, it's very easy to throw out allegations of voter fraud or for that matter, voter suppression. Um, those are serious allegations and we take every one of them seriously. But without a, an example, without a specific case to point to or some, some, um, uh, event or evidence, it's very difficult to be able to refute it because there's not any thing that we're actually talking about.
0: Does this make your job as the secretary of state and the person who oversees the elections in Washington more difficult?
2: You know, this is something that comes with the job. And I I welcome people questioning or challenging our system. But uh, when people make kind of wild claims that there's rampant fraud and and this is the reason people lost elections, those are serious allegations that uh, undermine voter confidence. And election officials job is to to instill and inspire voter confidence. So when people just make these these wide swath claims that there's rampant fraud or that vote by mail elections uh, are fraudulent without any kind of evidence, without any kind of actual you know events that they saw or witnessed or are aware of it just means that voters start to believe it and they they stop believing the results are are an accurate representation of how people voted and ultimately that undermines representative democracy that undermines our republic and uh you know we take this stuff very seriously and certainly allegations of fraud we want to follow up on
0: Now, Senator Erickson, uh, as a follow-on to this, is introducing a bill that would severely limit voting by mail, bring back polling locations, and it would also roll back timetables for counting ballots. His bill would uh, invalidate any ballot that arrives at the elections office after Election Day, and he would also impose greater restrictions on registering voters. What's your reaction to that?
2: (laughs) Well, you know, let, let's break down each one of the, the things that he outlines in his bill. So first, uh, he talked a, a bit about uh, showing voters needing to show valid government-issued photo IDs before being allowed to vote. And actually, Washington State has had that requirement since 2006. So when people get a driver's license or when people register to vote, they have to give us one of three forms of ID their driver's license their washington state id card and there has to be a washington driver's license or the last four digits of their social security number we actually verify those against the department of licensing's list or the social security list so you're not even registered to vote until we verify that even on same day registration this is why we have the vote law system so that we can validate and verify that you are actually an eligible voter in washington state so you know, it's those kinds of things that, uh, that, that concern me with this. Again, kind of throwing out this, um, inti- uh, intimating that we, uh, have some sort of rampant fraud because we don't check IDs. We actually do check IDs. Um, the second area that he talks about is that cutting off ballots at eight o'clock election night. Well, that's great. Um, we received over 355,000 ballots on, uh, the Wednesday and Thursday of election week that have either valid postmarks or were put in ballot drop boxes at eight o'clock election night. So about a hundred thousand of those were ones that came in through the mail after eight o'clock election night. So again, do we have an appetite of disenfranchising those voters because the USPS maybe slowed down their delivery or had some issue that slowed down the delivery of a voter's ballot, and it may have taken longer than uh, than seven or eight days to get to election officials. So the question is, do we want to just have this wide swath of voters that we disenfranchise And at no fault of their own, we're doing it just because it took too long for the post office to get that ballot turned into us.
0: And what about his plan to roll back the registration of voters? This was the first election we had that had same day registration, although that had to do with or although that had to be in person.
2: Well, sure. And, and this was the, the first time in the biggest election that we've had it. We had it in 2019, but the turnout was much lower. Um, but what, you know, again, what we saw in the counties was, uh, the county election officials being able to handle the very high volume, the large number of transactions. And because we have the statewide interconnected system that was near lifetime, uh, those, those voters were able to be provisionally registered. They were issued ballots, um, and those ballots couldn't be counted until those those registrations were validated against their voter ID. So so again, all of those security measures are currently in place with the system we have right now, and uh, and they have withstood a court challenge by the Brennan Center going back now about 12 years ago when uh, when this law first went into effect. So, you know, I, I again would love to have a conversation with Senator Erickson and talk through the concerns that he has with our current system.
0: You're a Republican. Do you think Senator Erickson, the president and others that are pushing a lot of these, uh, let's be honest, conspiracy theories are undermining the public's confidence in the vote, damaging the credibility of of Washington – and uh, the country and, and people like you that oversee elections?
2: When when they make make wild claims and accusations without any kind of um, substantive facts or evidence uh, or examples of what they're talking about, it's impossible for election officials to address it. And yes, I think, I think it does undermine confidence. I think that right now in Washington State, based on what I've seen on social media, a wide swath of my own party doesn't believe the results here in Washington State because they are believing these claims that are being made because it was simply a vote-by-mail election. And so, again, without without being able to address specific examples, uh, we can talk all day about chain of custody and audit trails and, and reconciling to every single ballot we've received. But unless they give us some specific evidence, some specific uh, examples of where they think things are, are amiss... It's impossible for us to refute it so it just becomes this this allegation that uh, you know there was rampant fraud and and so you know people are going to believe what they want to believe and we're going to be here to uh, refute the claims of of voter fraud if they would bring them to us.
0: I want to play you another cut this is uh, Christopher Gergen he is uh, Lauren Culp's senior advisor Uh, I talked to him earlier this week asking him what evidence Lauren Culp's campaign had about uh, voter fraud. This is what he had to say. So to be clear, you, ha- you haven't found any evidence of ballots that have been cast illegally? Well, not yet. You heard the long pause there, and I think that's key to what's going on here, that we haven't seen any evidence of illegally cast ballots yet. Have you seen any evidence anywhere in the state?
2: Uh, No, we haven't. And and realize that this is what election officials do. So our election ended at 8 o'clock on November 3rd. And between that moment until the 24th of of November, election officials are canvassing the returns. They are verifying uh, signatures on envelopes. They are doing all of the due diligence to make sure that the results that we're going to certify on the 24th are accurate and that every ballot that they've received is accounted for, whether or not it was counted is reported. And if it wasn't counted, why it was rejected. So, um, so again, we welcome the the criticism we welcome the questioning we would love to address actual specific questions and as soon as they bring some to us we are are going to be on it
0: what would you say washington's confidence is the voter confidence in our electoral system here using the vote by mail system
2: yeah you know, i i think it uh Based on probably 16 years experience, I would say it depends on which political party you belong to. Um, and I, I say that because, you know, 16 years after the Rossi-Gregoire uh, governor's race, I know that a very large swath of, of uh, the state still believes that that election was stolen and the other part of the state believes that uh, Governor Gregoire won and you can't really convince either side otherwise. Um, our state has done an awful lot to um, to reform our system since that election that was 16 years ago we have uh since you know created a single voter registration database we are now it's a lifetime voter registration database the counties can reconcile down to the every single ballot that they got back um these are things we couldn't do in 20 2004 um so we've come a long way i think we've rebuilt the the trust of many voters in washington state but but certainly what's happened in the 2020 election at the national level and what's happening with the governor's race. Um, we certainly have a, a group of people that are in my party that, uh, that that are starting to believe that there was some sort of rampant fraud and cheating that went on. And um, and so, again, we're going to do everything we can to try to rebuild their their faith and confidence in our system.
0: Well, the Washington State Legislature convenes here in January. Are there any reforms you would like to see lawmakers take up in addition to what already has passed here in Washington State?
2: Um, you know yeah there's a few things we want to look at uh, one one of my top priorities of course is to uh, try to get the unaffiliated re- uh, option restored for the presidential primary that's not really a reform measure that's just something that we had a lot of uh, voters who were very angry about during the presidential primary but one I, I thing i would like to do is uh, talk about uh, ballot collection and really building in safeguards uh, if we're going to allow ballot collection to build in safeguards for both the voter and the ballot collector and have uh, have some sort of accountability in that system, because right now it's really pretty wide open and uh, people could make claims uh, on either side that there was some sort of fraud or, um, you know, nefarious activities happening on ballot collection. And I think that if we could clean that up a little bit, it would it would restore a little bit of confidence.
0: What's the situation with ballot collection here in Washington state? Uh, I mean, as I understand it, uh, you have people that collect ballots and uh, from various people who don't have time to put them in the mail or go to a Dropbox, so I, I guess the the concern would be that those ballots aren't counted rather than illegal votes being counted. Is that correct?
2: Well, ballot collection is just kind of a gray area at this point. Um, you know, first of all, you have to find voters who are willing to give a stranger their ballot or entrust their ballots return to someone, you know, beyond their control. I believe currently our state law says that that it should be someone in your family or someone in your household that returns your ballot. But with ballot drop boxes and mailboxes, it's very difficult to enforce. So, um, you know, we're just we're starting to see things around the country in North Carolina and, and down in California in this election cycle that, uh, you know, do point to a need that we probably need to put some fences around that and define what uh, what the accountability measures are for someone that takes another person's ballot and what responsibility do they have to turn it in and right now it's kind of the wild wild west and there's no real fences around that process so um, if a voter gives their ballot to a stranger they really have no guarantee that that ballot's actually going to make it to election officials
0: have you heard any reports of concerns around that issue
2: no, uh, you know, similar similar threads. I hear uh, I depending on what uh, what room you're talking to, it's it's either the, uh, you know, a political campaign or it is a church or it's a union that is turning in ballots and collecting ballots on behalf of someone else. Um, but, you know, and then if they ever say something like, you know, but but we know that they're only return. They're turning in only Democrat ballots or only uh, Republican ballots. You know, then when you ask the follow on question, which, which union was that? What, what church? Which political campaign? Well, well, I you know, I don't know. I just heard about it. So I haven't had any specific complaints about any specific group who is going around collecting ballots in any way in our state. But I do hear kind of rumblings that, oh, it is happening. You know, the other side's doing it.
0: <laughs> well, and even so, uh, we have the system here in Washington State where you can go online at votewat.gov and track your ballot and whether or not it's been received, Correct.
2: Correct. Correct. And and I think, you know, I'll give you a good example of one of the concerns I have. So a few years ago in Oregon, a woman who was very well-intentioned uh, was in a book club or some group of, of her friends, and it was right before Election Day. And she said, hey, I'm going to be going to the ballot drop box. Why don't you give me your ballots? I'll drop them off for you. And she collected, I don't know, 10 or 15 of her friends' ballots and forgot to. And realized the day after the election, she hadn't dropped them in the the ballot drop box, calls in a panic to uh, election officials who explained to her that it's too late. And uh, she ended up being prosecuted for committing a felony and had to pay, you know, over $10,000 in fines in Oregon for failing to turn in her friend's ballot. So, you know, it's... (laughs) This is what we don't want to see. We don't want anyone in a position where they, um, you know, make a mistake or have great intentions, but don't carry them through. And it costs someone's ability to exercise their constitutional right to vote.
0: So what reforms would you like to see around this?
2: Well, one, you know, personally, I would discourage the practice because I think it's fraught with, with peril. Um, again, when you take custody of someone else's ballot, that's a big responsibility. And if you, you know, might have a good intentions and might make a mistake and not get it turned in on time. And now that's that's on you. But um, if somebody is going to collect ballots, I think there should be some sort of receding system. One, that ballot collector should be keeping a log and a list that they turn into the county auditor. And that's as much protecting the collector as it is the voter. So, uh, So if you, you know, Jeff, if you wanted to accuse me of not turning in your ballot because I collected it from you, I would have no recourse right now. And it would be your word against mine. I couldn't prove that I took your ballot or that I didn't take your ballot. But you know, you know that I'm a Republican, and so I, I think that you're a Democrat, and I didn't turn your ballot in. So you know, trying to, to give some protection to the the ballot collector, and then also a receipt given to the voter, so the voter can say can check. And if their ballot isn't turned in, then they can say, "Gosh, I gave my ballot to John Smith on this date, and he didn't turn it in." And then they can go to John Smith, and he can show, "Gosh, I you know, yes, I did, and I turned it into." this Dropbox, And it's really just kind of creating a chain of custody for that ballot collection process, not making it too onerous, but just really doing something to protect both the collector and the voter.
0: All right, Secretary of State Kim Wyman, the person who probably has the toughest job in Washington State right now. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Take care.
0: And of course, we will continue to bring you the latest on the election and election reform. Just stay tuned to this feed. That will do it for this episode of the Como Politicast. If you like the show, please leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. And for more, be sure to check out our other shows, such as Como News This Week, Life Beat with Marina Rockinger, and our hourly news updates. Available at com slash podcasts or your favorite podcast app. I'm Jeff Pogelup. Thank you for listening and have a good week.